What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And we are discussing Invincible Episode 5. You, and... mean, you mean Luke Cage Season 2? <laughs> Luke Cage Season 2, Episode 5, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's what this is. So this episode focuses mainly on the character of Titan and we saw Titan very briefly in I believe it was episode one or episode yes, two okay first episode um this is a character that is voiced by Mahershala Ali and um his character yeah I, I think you, you would say he's kind of like a, a Luke Cage character he's a big black man who is able to change his skin to some kind of like indestructible substance and um so he's bulletproof basically yeah bulletproof and he's very strong and so the episode starts out we see two little peons and I'm, that's that's just what i'm gonna call them because that's pretty much what they are um they're supposed to be like little tough gangster looking dudes and they're outside for smoke and they're outside of a warehouse. And as they are, you know, lighting each other's cigarettes or whatever, we kind of see this shadow in the background at the end of an alley. And the shadow turns out to be Titan. And what happens is he runs towards these guys. They start shooting at him. And we flash into the inside of the warehouse and we see it's basically like a money laundering situation going on. You've got other guys inside with guns. They've got stacks of money. Looks like what might be drugs. And um, Titan basically goes in there and cleans house. Everybody is shooting at him. He's throwing construction vehicles and he's throwing crates. He is snapping necks. He is tearing people in half. It's just, it's very, it's very bloody. He throws a gun at someone's face and it literally, um, it goes through the guy's face. It's just, it's very bloody. It's very violent. And I just looked at the beginning of this episode like, Oh, this is how we're starting things off. This should be interesting because if they starting if they're starting out the episode this way, you know it's about to be a lot of violence. And then dude tried dude actually tried to go up and stab him with a knife. I'm like, are you not paying attention? It's like there's always that one character that comes up like with a bat or like a knife to somebody who's indestructible and tries to stab or hit him over the head, and you're like, he's been bullets have been bouncing off him for five minutes. What is that knife going to do? Like absolutely nothing. I mean, we just had this conversation when we were talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier about how villains or whatever, they're always shooting at people that are supposedly indestructive. And instead of running away and saving your life, you continue to try to find ways to take them down. Like, are you not paying attention? They're not reading the room. Right. Yeah, exactly. we're back to like, why is that last guy still standing there? Why are you still there when the person is obviously going to destroy everyone in the room and you can't do anything about it? So why are you still there? And not even that, there's one kid who's left standing and Titan tells him, I'm leaving you alive to send a message. And it's it's between this kid and there's one other guy standing in front of him 
and he says that and then he kills the guy in front of him he turns around to the kid and he's like um yeah i i meant that message for you yeah, that was the message <laughs> and the kid is is aiming yeah. a shotgun at titan's face and he's like kid i'm letting you go and then the kid shoots i'm like oh, you know what and i understand it was fear i understand he was scared he probably pulled the trigger by accident but still, if somebody says, hey, I'm leaving you alive to go deliver this message, you should be hauling ass before that last word even comes out of his mouth. There should be no reason for you to still be there. Oh, yeah, speed delivery, like singing telegrams and somebody like, I'm Man. gone. You gotta tell me twice. After he shoots Titan in the face, Titan just kind of gives him this look like, really do? And then, of course, the kid goes running. So that's the end of that scene. We come into the next scene and it's Invincible fighting Kill Cannon. I think we've seen this character before too. And there, there's someone filming it, but at the same time that Invincible is fighting this villain, he's supposed to be meeting Amber, his new girlfriend. And we've already talked about this before, how Mark is um how should i put it he's not the best at balancing his priorities like he's trying to have this girlfriend and he's trying to be a superhero and those two lives are not mixing well you know he's been consistently late for dates and other obligations with amber and he's falling into this trope of oh well when i fuck up i'm gonna bring her gifts and i'm gonna do nice things for her mm. and get you know to get her to <laughs> forgive me here we go now, when he pulled this cheese yeah, exactly when he pulled the you're yawning when he pulled this cheesecake out i just rolled my eyes like oh here we go with this it's, a, it's like the you whole know. peter parker mary jane thing where he's like saving somebody then he swings in with his clothes on his back he changes real quick he's like Oh, sorry, I'm late. Uh, my Aunt May, blah, 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 blah. And she's just like rolling her eyes and walking over. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm making up. It's always, I'm sorry, I'm making up to you. I got you this, like you said. And it's just like. I, I don't know. If, if, if you want to make up like, to me by bringing, you know, an original cheesecake from, I don't know, wherever they're made, so be it. <laughs> you oh, know? If you want to bring me some chocolates from Sweden. No, don't. Or the Swiss. That's, hey. More power to you. All is forgiven. <laughs> no, we are not going to start that pattern because then that's a pattern you find it extremely hard to no, break out of. No, no problem and, to and, me. And, and, I mean, I don't really see. And, Bring me some barbecue from Australia. The, the problem. <laughs> no, no right. that that leads to that leads to once you forgive them for whatever that they do down the line years from that point for Christmas, they give you footed cat pajamas with pink fuzzy cats on them. <laughs> Ooh, footy pajamas. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? And it just, and it just kind of escalates and goes from there. Snowballs, yes. <laughs> like, oh yes, I cheated on you. Let me give you a cheesecake. No, this is not how we're going to do this. No. So we don't, we don't want to start this behavior, but luckily for the way these teenage girls are written in this show, they are not falling for the bullshit, or at least I won't say they're not falling for it. Amber, Amber forgives him, but she makes him work for it. Yeah. You know, 
So I kind of like, you know, I, I said that before. I kind of like that about this this show. These these girls are not pushovers like we usually see teenage girls being portrayed in other shows and stuff. So I kind of like that. But we get another scene with Titan, and this time he is setting fire to an apartment building that's full of families. Of course, the families have been evacuated. But when one of the guys asks, hey, what do we ever do to you? You know, again, you got this big rock looking dude setting fire to your whole building. And you want to be the one to be like, hey, what do we ever do to you? You want to stand up to the big dude. Dude, this is this is not the time. This this is not the time. And the people standing next to him are like, shut up, Kevin. And Titan turns around and he approaches the guy almost like he's going to beat him up for questioning him. But what he does is he pulls out a wad of money. He tells them about a hotel that they can go to. And the hotel will, you know, he was like, oh, this should cover you for about two weeks. So at this point, you're kind of looking like something's weird about this character. Yeah, but he only gave, he only gave it to him. Weren't there like two or three other families? Is he like doling out money to everybody? Like, I mean, you know. Well, he was the only one that asked. Or say yeah, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, okay, <laughs> fine, but still. Well, also too, I kind of started thinking about that. You know, you don't set fire to a building and then give the people who live there money to go somewhere else, unless you are one of these characters that's kind of in a conflicted predicament. Which we find out later, this is exactly the case for Titan. He's basically hired muscle for a crime lord named is it machine head yeah yes they really have got to get a little more inventive with the names for these characters and these superheroes and these villains but we find out that titan is he's hired help he's a grunt and he's doing this so that he can make money or because he's owed a debt to machine head and he's basically working off his debt to keep his family safe he has a, a wife and a young young daughter so that already adds a little bit of intrigue i guess to this character and to this episode but you know given what you guys said like this episode kind of mimics luke cage and i'm just looking like okay so is he gonna actually turn on his boss or is you know i was kind of wondering about this character like what is he gonna do because you can't be the type of person who will go and destroy things and then turn around and help people and not have some kind of vindictive arc, you know, going against the right. head honcho. But we'll get back to him in a minute. Here we go with Invincible again. He's out doing his superhero stuff. He's saving lives. He's, he's you know, he seems to be getting a little more confident in his superhero abilities which is cool, but he's also being, again, not balancing his responsibilities well because we see this time, instead of him being late for Amber, he's late for work. And his boss has decided to cut his hours because he's been late several times. What did he say? I think 18 times in two months. Oh, excuse me. You've been late 12 times in the past three months. Any other job, he would have already been on his ass. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he he was he was scolding him too, and it was like you, that's I think that's what kind of pushed Mark's buttons. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm late. So what? It's just a part time job. But he was basically right. 
giving all into Mark's, you know, face about it. Either you fire yeah, but, him or you don't. I mean, think about it. That's what most bosses do to teenage workers. At least the, that's what I've seen. And that's what I know my kids have experienced at some point or another, you know, just kind of like, well, you're the one that needs this job. You need to, you need to come to work and you need to do this and you need to do that. And it could be totally valid reasons. And they still, you know, that's kind of the behavior. That's, that's how they treat teenage workers. They're like, oh, you're, you're disposable. If you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, I can find somebody else to replace you. And that's kind of the attitude and the way they talk to them. But I'm glad to see Mark was like, you know what? I don't need this job. I quit. And the guy turns around, he's like, what? How dare you quit? And of course, Mark is not there because Mark has already flown off. And here comes the uniform flying, you know, falling down from the air. I was like, okay, Mark, as far as, you know, resigning, that that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, really, I mean, I'm surprised he was still there anyway, because it's like, don't you have more important things to do? Um, he needs the money to keep buying his girlfriend bribery presents. <laughs> 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 Makeup presents, you know, he's a superhero. He can't just go and steal that stuff. That would be kind of going against who he is. So he has to have the money to go and buy, you know, cheesecakes from wherever. They were Japanese cheesecakes. Hey. You can't do that for free. Yeah, again. Um, well, and, and, but you know, he's he's trying to have somewhat. He's trying to have a, some somewhat of a semblance of normal life, of trying to be mm -hmm. a normal kid. And like you said, he's just having a hard time balancing the two, and eventually, it's going to catch up with them. You think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the biggest the biggest problem that, that he has is that he is trying to keep the secret identity. I think that if, you know, if his girlfriend knew that he was a superhero or, you know, it, it would have been a little bit better for him. But the other thing is, is that uh, I never had a, a job when I was a teenager, so I don't know how, how those things work. But I, I can imagine he's not making that much money that it wasn't really too much of a of a, right. a struggle to, to quit. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what they pay kids, but uh, it, it I, of all the things that is consistent in his life, I think that was the one thing that he would be fine not having, and it wouldn't affect him one way or the other. Plus, you know, his dad's probably sliding some money since he's a superhero now. <laughs> probably, yeah, you know. yeah. He's like, yeah, good job, son. Wait, I wait don't know. Nolan doesn't look like that type of parent to me. There is nothing about his personality and anything that I've seen in the previous four episodes that makes me feel like he's that type of parent. You know, I, I feel like Nolan is the type of parent where once Mark got his powers, it was kind of almost expected that Mark would become a superhero or that he would do something with those powers. You know, that, that's not something that he's going to reward his son to do. Oh, you you got these powers. You were born with them. That's a gift. This is what you're supposed to do with them. You know, that 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 strikes me more along Nolan's uh, personality than, you know, oh, yeah, good job. Let me give you some money. And I'm sure his mom, you know, gives him money, too. You know, I mean, you know, most most parents, you know, they tend to yeah, give you money a little like bit sometimes type. you know no so. land not so much yeah, yeah. Okay. no mm -hmm. yeah but moving along we see another scene with titan where this time he's shaking someone down he's you know he's doing the classic 
hey, I'm going to dangle you over a building and threaten to drop you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. So I guess this guy owes Machine Head some money and he's late on his payments. And so Titan is there to deliver a message. And as he's holding this guy over the building, the guy's wallet drops out. And when Titan picks it up, he sees that there's a picture inside the wallet of this guy and his daughter. And that kind of makes Titan pause. Again, we find out later on that he has his own daughter. But it's one of those things where it kind of gives him pause. And he's like, look, you have one last time. I'll give you until this. And after that, what he said, you're painting the sidewalk or something like that, meaning I'm going to drop you. I'm going to I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Then it transitions into Omni-Man and Mark doing the same thing with another bad guy, except this time they're flying in the air and they're holding him upside down. And, (laughs) you know, again, no one's... No one's approach at training is kind of different than what I would expect from your normal parent. You know, he's got Invincible holding this guy up and Mark is just kind of like, so... You know, he's just asking him, hey, where's this this thing? I think they're looking for a bomb. And the villain is like, I'm not going to tell. And Mark's like, now what am I supposed to do? And Nolan's like, you're supposed to scare him. You got to actually, you got to make him think you're going to actually drop him. And he's like, I don't know. That seems mean. Okay, so obviously Mark gets, uh, his he gets more of Debbie's personality than he does Nolan's. So Nolan grabs the guy, he drops him. And Mark's yeah. looking like, um, so you're just going to let him fall? And Nolan's just sitting there looking like, um, I'll get him in a second. Well, clearly, Nolan's approach is hands-on, real-world experience is better. You know, there's no better training than on-the-job training. And yeah. that's Nolan's approach. Everything you need to learn, you're going to learn by doing. I can't tell you what to do. I can't really just show you. You actually have to do it yourself. That's what part of real world training is holding a man several thousand feet it's in the air, dangling they're, him? They're and trying to save him. lives. <laughs> like he can't, he can't sit there and tell Mark sitting at the kitchen table. Okay, so when you're trying to find the bomb from the villain, you have to hold the villain, you know, and you have to scare him. Well, how do I do that? Well, this is what you do. But in actuality, you actually have to do it. <laughs> You actually have to do it to, to see how it feels, to understand what you need to do. So I don't have a problem with Nolan's approach to training because real-world experience is a harsh teacher. It really is. I mean, this is, this is it's basically superhero vocational school. It's like you get, you get to actually do the things that you need yeah. to do and get, and get real experience. I mean, it's just like when he stops the asteroid. It's like, you know. It's like, actually, stop the asteroid. He didn't tell you, okay, you have to push it at this vector and then push it up, then push it over. He's like, no, go see a goal, get the asteroid, push it, stop it, then throw it out there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I agree. This is nothing's better I than mean, a hands I get that and I understand, but given what we know of Nolan's temperament and the things that he has done, I'm just a little, you know. Yeah, I but you, you can't apply, you, you can't apply that Omni-Man with Nolan, the dad, because his, the way he's with Mark is different than how he is. Like, he's teaching Mark. He's showing Mark. He's not going to do, 
he he's not gonna kill Mark just to show him that I that he can kill him. You know what I mean? No, but I just I he he will punch I, the heck out of him to show him that this is what it's gonna feel like when a bad right. guy hits you. Why would he pull his punch? No, it's we have already seen Mark get his ass handed to him. Right. He he needs to know this is what it's gonna feel like. Eventually he's gonna have to learn how to get up. Like you can take you learn how to take the punches, but you're gonna have to be able to get up. We haven't seen Mark get up yet <laughs> from any beatdown. So that's true. But I started counting. I was going one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I'm like, what's the count when you drop someone? Right. What that's point real world experience. Five before you go <laughs> he get can't them? sit there and say, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, what world did you an, item, an item dropping drops at 9.3 meters per second squared. He has to remember exactly how far he is up. And he also <laughs> has to take into account the rotation of the earth, exactly. wind resistance, wind and- how, how much guys sideways? And it's have to gonna be different every time. To... It's gonna be different every time. He has to learn that too. My daughter just walked in the room and she's looking like, Wait. what the hell are y'all talking about? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, we're talking about Nolan training Mark by teaching him to drop somebody from there. She was like, Oh yeah, gotcha. And she just walked on downstairs. We're, we're talking, we're talking about bad guy wind resistance. I mean, it's like sometimes <laughs> it's like you just kind of have to figure out. And you can you can tell by you can tell by listening to them like how the wind whistles past them as they fall. You can see how. And like my physics teacher in high school, you can't know what terminal velocity is unless you're standing on top of the building, dropping (laughs) things to see how long it takes for them to hit the ground. Here's the here's the problem I have with that. So you're teaching him real world experience as you say anthony by you know letting him drop someone with the with the intent of eventually you know okay you're gonna go catch him we need to remember mark even though he's improved he still does not have quite the grip on flying and stopping and controlling himself so what happens if he's in that position and he drops someone and he sits there and you know one mississippi two mississippi counts to 10 and decides to go after this person and he overshoots and he misses the person or what happens then well well no does no the one, guy go flat and you're like oops yeah well no one will tell him oh well well you know that's just so fast and move on see i right, have a problem did it right the that. next time it's a bad guy who planted a bomb somewhere with the intent on killing people come on <laughs> seriously sometimes you have to break a few bad guys i mean eggs to make omelets i mean yeah you know. a guy a guy comes in and he's blasting away civilians in the pieces mark comes in and you know he punches them a little bit too hard and his head snaps off am i supposed to feel bad about that no i'm not <laughs> i'm not I'm not. If, if, the, if the guy is not going to tell them where the bomb is, who knows how many people are going to die? So That's you got to at least true. try to get him to tell him. And if he doesn't tell him, oh, freaking well. You got to get those answers by any means necessary. If it means giving damn near giving a villain a heart attack by picking him up just as he's a foot from the ground, falling from about 1,000, 1,500 feet, so be it. I mean, you got to do what Yeah, you Batman do. does that crap all the time. Batman does it on a consistent basis. He will mm-hmm. torture people within an inch of their lives. <laughs> and you know, and my favorite, my okay, my favorite fictional character is Jack Bristow from Alias. 
Sydney's father because he literally killed someone over and over again to get them to tell him something. Like he killed him and revived him with the defibrillator and said, we can just keep doing this until you tell me what I want to do. Oh, and he killed God. him again. That is, I mean, come on. that That is what you do. <laughs> Jack oh. Bristow was the man. I'm just saying. I, 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 I'm worried about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to something a little less disturbing for now. I'm just looking at things from Nolan's perspective. He's got to teach his yes, son everything I he needs to know. And- I get it. But if we look at it from that perspective, then we've got to go back and reevaluate some of the other characters that we've kind of destroyed based on that same behavior, i.e. the John Walkers and the Homelanders. Okay, those (laughs) guys are mentally disturbed. (laughs) You can't. And and Homelander is a psychopath. It's not the same thing. Homelander will kill you whether you're good or bad or your intentions are good or bad. He doesn't care. The same thing with John Walker. Come on now. (laughs) Seriously, Hanako, you're going to pair rational thinking Nolan. You call Nolan rational thinking? Yes, Nolan is Nolan is rational. Comparably speaking, he's outstandingly rational. He's extremely rational. No one is not disturbed. No one is not a psychopath. Mm, no one yeah, has yeah. a mission. I'll give you that. That's different. No. And we haven't, you know, other than destroying the guardians, he hasn't really done anything that out- outlandish yet. Okay. We'll go with that for now. <laughs> I mean, Homelander will snap your head off just for looking at his son the wrong way. Come on. That that that's that's true. That's true. Or or he'll cut you in half with his heat vision just for not telling him what telling him what he needs to hear. Well, how how and, is that and, different from and, dropping and, someone from the sky? And, no, and and, and he, but and, he catches and, it and He will he will kill someone for not, you know, staying in character and giving him hit like he's uh, supposed to. Yeah. This is true. And he and, and he and also drinks he gets also off drinks of drinking drink. breast he gets off on drinking breast milk and you will compare him <laughs> to no yeah. seriously I was just trying to find some balance but obviously I'm doing a bad job <laughs> there's no balance okay we're gonna move on to something less disturbing we have to talk about the joy that is Mark Phil in class and the only reason why I say joy is because we get to see his interaction with the principal who is played by Reginald Bell Johnson who is also the namesake of the high school that Mark attends when I tell you this is like the ultimate geek moment was awesome Oh. That needs started in the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Oh, Die Hard, of course. Yep. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, I appreciate where this is going, but I, I'm still stuck on the last conversation we're having. <laughs> I'm trying to no, move well, on. We'll get back I'm to try- that this conversation. You're comparing Nolan <laughs> to a guy that jacked his dick off over the city. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, Rizzleville Johnson. And awesome. me, you know you awesome. you know you just jinxed me because I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a text or a phone call about two days ago from somebody saying, Hey, there's a show called The Boys on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Rizzleville Johnson. That that was an awesome moment. I 
I, I was I was very appreciative that 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 he got such a huge shot out. And you know, I'm just I'm just wondering why they drew him with such a big ass head. I'm like, his head is no <laughs> we kind of exaggerated that. I mean, I know he kind of has a large forehead, but his forehead was a foot tall. Like like he he was almost he was almost super villain headed. Like he almost had like it's a not head that head. bad. It's a little big. It it's bad. a little big. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, come on. Maybe it's ridiculous. You know, you you gonna you're gonna do all this stuff and, and build them up and then you draw them like that. Come on, son. Well, I I guess it's supposed to be like a, a character. Uh, no, no, don't say caricature. <laughs> Please don't. look. We all have mad respect look, I, for the man. Okay, I just, I guess today is the day I'm just trying to justify everything. <laughs> I don't know why they drew, but regardless, I was happy to see him or hear him rather in this episode. Pretty cool. I, I, yeah. I would have preferred them not draw him to look kind of like himself. I think they should have drawn him differently, but you know. That's neither here nor there. But I mean, that would have ruined the whole thing. I mean, you've got the high school named after him. You've got him voicing the principal. Why not just complete the, just complete it? That's that's too that's too meta. That's just. I think it was put meta. in there I mean, yeah, for is, that specific reason to be so meta. It's too. Imagine meta. If they drew him to look like Eddie. I mean, they, they, if they would have drawn drawn him to look like Eddie Winslow <laughs> and had and had his voice coming out of it, that would have been awesome. Don't give them any ideas. I'm just saying. I mean, or just have, or draw him, draw him, even better, draw him looking like Urkel. I mean, oh just... my, no, not as the principal. No, no, I would never have been able to get through this episode. I would have been laughing too hard. <laughs> no, if no. you would have showed up as Stefan, then it would have been bad. Ah, man, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> what are we? I mean, or Waldo. I mean, it's easier to draw Waldo as a cartoon character. Oh my God. Am, am I in an alternate universe today? Like, we are just, oh my goodness. Are we drunk or are we like. <laughs> I haven't had a single drop. <laughs> oh my goodness. Maybe that's it. I haven't, I haven't really been drinking today either. Yeah. They haven't really. You don't have your wine. You don't have your wine. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Right you do have it. Okay. Never mind. It's, but um yeah. anyway, so I mean, really. so the principal whose name I don't think we get, he's just principal. Um Principal Winslow. Is it really? It's really Principal Winslow, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so yes. So too meta, Anthony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, it's too much. but you know, we, we were talking about Mark and his lack of uh balance in his between his personal and his superhero lives and this is why the principal has uh kind of cornered him because not only is mark you know being late on his dates and he's being late to work to the point where he's now quit but he's also failing his classes and this is senior year for mark right it's interesting because you know I, i work at a high school and we just got a list of students who are at risk and like imagine being one of our teachers like Hey, how did he end up on the list? He was doing so well up until well, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Well, you know, we, we are also in the middle of a pandemic, so that might be a thing. You know, our students are still going to school virtually. So, I, I mean, I just remember my son was a senior last year at the same school. And I know that once the pandemic hit, you know, he already had the whole senioritis thing going on. Like, oh, oh my God, can can we please just hurry this up? So I was like, dude, I just need you to focus. 
just for these next <laughs> nine months. Just focus. And then once coronavirus, oh, oh yeah, they, they, they've checked that. Yeah, and then once coronavirus hit, like coronavirus, we shut the schools down mid March, and they did virtual learning for the rest of the school year, and it was just kind of like right. But work. getting superpowers, getting superpowers, is not the same as being sick of the pandemic. Like he just he just needed to to figure out what he wanted to do. Well, I mean, you know. you've it's, got it's trying to pick up, You're trying to pick up a girlfriend. You're trying to use, you know, trying to learn how to be a superhero. And you, you want to maintain, like, your friendship with William. It's too much. You got too he, much going yeah, on. And see, he's never yeah. had to balance all of this stuff before because when we see him in the first episode, you see he and William are friends. Yeah, they're, they're best friends or whatever, but going by everything we saw in the first episode, Mark was probably socially awkward. He didn't have a girlfriend. You, I mean, notice that once he started trying to talk to Amber, he couldn't even form a, a complete sentence. So we we know that he's not used to having a girlfriend. He's not used to the complexities that it comes that comes with being in a relationship. Let, let's just face face. Let's just face it. Mark is not very bright. I mean, I know you wanted you. I know I defended no, him on the geography Mark thing. Is I defend I defended him on the geography thing. But, however, by the time you're senior, you, you should be okay the coast. You know what I mean? You should, you should be able to. He, he doesn't. Okay, let's just say time management skills must not be his strength um, among other Do things. Do you know a lot of seniors who have great time management skills? Again, no. I, I had three children. I, I had great time management skills, so there's no excuse. You also didn't have the internet. You were not a superhero. So, yes. And, and not only being a superhero, you did not have to watch a whole city full of citizens be slaughtered in front of your face. So, that is true. no, ex- that, that's, that's no comparison. That, 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 that is true. That is <laughs> that's true. a lot for a, a, an 18-year-old to have to come to grips with within i think at this point it's only been like two months three months that's a lot to have to has it been has it been yeah long? because the, the boss said that you've been late 12 times in the last three months he's only been late because he's been a okay. superhero so yeah i'm thinking it's been about three months so and then i think um in subsequent uh episodes the next episode i think they they noted the time frame as being like six or seven months at that point so yeah it we we've kind of We've gone through some time. So he So basically his whole senior year. <laughs> just about. Seem well, you know, yeah. Wreck. Maybe, yeah, we're maybe about halfway through the senior year now, probably. So yeah. But um yeah, that that poor boy, I just at this point, I just I, I don't know. It it's one of those things, you know, he has a friend that can probably help him with that. And her name is Eve, but I don't think Eve is, I, I don't know. She doesn't seem to be doing all that great either. She's got this dick of a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend and, you know, she's having issues at home, I think. And, you know, she's kind of intimated that at least that, you know, things at home are not great. And she's kind of in limbo with her own superhero status. So it's just kind of, I don't know. Mark just, Mark needs a good mentor and I'm sorry, I, I get that Nolan is is training him to do the right things as far as being a superhero, but as far as being a mentor, no, I, I do not think Nolan is the correct person to be helping him maneuver through all this. Because I mean, think about it. We don't really know that much about Nolan's 
younger life, but from what he's described of his home planet, they were all born with superpowers. So there really wasn't much that he needed to learn to adjust. You know, this is something he's dealt with all his life. Mark just turned 18 and just got his powers. And that was even late by Nolan's standards. Mark should have had his powers for years at this point, because I think he had to talk with Mark about him being a superhero and Mark coming into his powers when Mark was 12. So this is like six years overdue. So he's having to kind of learn and adjust to all of this in a short amount of time. And it's probably at one of the worst junctures in his life. Who wants to be doing all of this shit during senior year? You're supposed to be having fun. You're supposed to be anticipating graduation. You're supposed to be doing senior skip day and all this other stuff that you do as a senior. And he's not, well, I guess he could, you technically could say he's probably doing senior skip day a lot because he's probably cutting classes and, you know, saving lives and all this other well, stuff. But. Yeah, I, well, you would, you would think that some kids, you know, they, well, I went to summer school every year because I had nothing else to do, but a lot of kids bank enough wait, credit. Wait a minute. You went to summer school every year because you had nothing else to do. I don't know anybody else who would have voluntarily gone to summer school just because they had nothing else to do. I'm shocked, but I'm not necessarily surprised. Okay, I was raised by my grandparents who were significantly older, so their idea of summer vacation was summer school in the mornings and three hours of tennis lessons in the afternoon, and that's what I did from sixth grade until graduation. So by the time I was able to graduate, I was one of those few people who actually had enough credits to graduate in like December, January, but I didn't because then that mean I would have been at home with them. And I was an only <laughs> child, so. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, there, okay. Yeah, there was a dude that went that went to school with me. Like he did the same thing, and like on his whole senior year, he took he took PE classes like every period. Like he literally, he literally did not go. Like he took everything in in summer school. Like he took everything yep. they need to take. And got all of his other core classes that he needed out of the way. So he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've taken like four or five PE classes. So I'm just like hanging out. I took photography for, for like three hours a day. And the other three hours, I hung out in the library. <laughs> it was the most boring semester of my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Lori didn't mean to interrupt. That's, okay. that's, like, that's <laughs> like, but my thing is, is that some kids... It's not a matter of time management. It's a matter of how many credits that they they accumulate over, you know, a certain amount of time. I mean, some kids do that if they're doing like vocational or or whatever. And, you know, if it's it's I guess I'm saying it maybe is a little bit of a time management issue. But I think with him, it's more along the line of his dad is a superhero. He's from another planet. His dad expected him to have his powers years before. So I don't think his dad's going to emphasize school as much as him doing superhero training. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if he would have said, hey, dad, I want to drop out. I don't think Nolan would have had a problem with it because that means that he could spend more time training him. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with that assessment yeah. because we also still don't know what Nolan's motives are. Mm-hmm. on earth i mean we we've speculated but we don't know that concretely yet so i i think if mark were to drop out of school and say hey i want to do this superhero thing full time and you know will you train me more i think that would be okay with nolan now debbie not so much mm. you know but yeah, yeah I, I think nolan would probably be okay with that because that will help him 
that will help him accomplish whatever his mission or his goal is a little bit quicker, I think. Yeah, because I, I, I still firmly believe that he really, really wanted Mark's powers to get here earlier than they did, because I think that that might have been incorporated into whatever plans or whatever he has going on that was results in him you know killing the guardian so right so going back to titan um we you know there there's a lot of jumping back and forth with this episode but titan is um he's now breaking into a i guess it's like a research facility and he's trying to steal this chip and we don't know what the chip is for, but as he's getting this chip, you know, he has some security guards that come in and, you know, they're like freeze. And it's so funny because we just talked about this with the gangsters. So he basically tells them, he's like, okay, so are your lives worth minimum wage? Or do you want to just fire your guns in the air and say you tried your best and we all walk away happy and alive? And two of the security guards, they kind of look at each other. And as he's walking past them, they're like, they they point their guns in the sky and they start shooting like, oh, you guys are the smart ones. You didn't say, no, we got to do our job. We got to stop him and try to shoot him. And like, right. they actually did the smart thing. Here's my thing. Why are y'all shooting in the air? Shoot to the side. Like, at least because, you know, the police going to come in. They're going to look at the ceiling and see it look like Swiss cheese. And they're like, did he fly over you or... Yes, yeah. that's exactly yes. what happened. He jumped over mm-hmm. us as we were shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least, at least that's why we all we were all shooting. At least you shooting know, the walls we on the side. The like, they could they could have shot. Like, no, I, I, like, I don't want to shot the walls I, I, on the side to make it look like they were at least shooting at somebody, like not up in the air. No, no, and, and what about what about the I, I people want, that are I, in the offices upstairs? It's like somebody. I guarantee you at least two people got shot in the ass. They were at the, they were at too, the too bad for them. <laughs> too bad for them. Oh, too I bad for them. Because I'm not, aiming my, I'm not aiming my gun at this guy and pulling the trigger, even if it's 20 feet to the right. I don't want him to, I don't want him to even think that I might change my mind. I no. mean, I wouldn't even go so far as to tell the police, so why did you shoot at the ceiling? Did you guys, did you not try to shoot him? No, I absolutely did not because this guy said I could either shoot at the ceiling or I could die. So I made an educated decision. And if you want to fire me for, for that, I'm, I'll be at home sipping me some Right, tea. alive <laughs> and breathing alive. and well and enjoying life. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Mm-mm. I can't believe we're just still... Oh, gee, <laughs> no. I... Well, I mean, okay, okay. I'll give you both sides of the arguments as long as Barney Fife wasn't one of the guards. Yeah, Barney wouldn't hit shit because he ain't got no bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that was the day, that would be the day that, that Sheriff uh, Andy gave him the bullet. See, that's the problem. He gave him the one bullet. <laughs> the one bullet. It would have been like, oh, one bullet. Okay, let's see. What's the opportune spot in the ceiling for me to hit? Should I aim over here or should I aim at this light here? Yeah, mm -mm, no. I'm sorry. Big dude, skin made of stone or whatever the fuck his skin is made out of. And he's giving me the choice. And you also pointed out the fact that I'm only making minimum wage. Is this job worth me dying? Hell no yeah it it was it was it was actually pretty funny because uh again this is this is mimicking you know a few different shows we've seen where they they do this so i just i thought the whole 
the whole sequence of him, you know, being the tough guy and then giving people breaks. I, I loved it because I was like, oh, we got somebody who's got a heart of gold. You know, I thought it was cute. Right. And like I said, you, you immediately know that this is a, this is a person who is not a villain by choice. I feel like this is someone who is in a compromised situation and he's only doing this to either get out of some trouble that he is in or to protect someone that he loves. And we see that it's, it's a little bit of both for him. So, you know, he doesn't want to kill people. He doesn't want to hurt people. Think about it. If he wanted to kill people, when he set that building on fire, he would have just done it with the families in it and just been like, okay, whatever. But he didn't. He gave them time to get out first and then set the building on fire. You know? Right. So, I mean, I, I hope they had insurance and they can kind of recoup their losses. But at least that's the only thing they're having to try to recoup because of his character or you know but anyway this doggone mark and his lack of time management here he is doing superhero stuff again and he's texting amber while he's in the middle of a fight i mean he's time management skills (laughs) but at least in this case he's multitasking you know he's fighting the villain or he's letting the villain hit him with like telephone poles and all this other stuff while he's texting and auto-correcting his misspelled words. And I, you know, it's, it's just so funny watching Mark kind of maneuver all of this stuff as a teenager and trying to be a superhero. Again, I like that they're showing us that side of him, but it's also funny because it's just like, Mark, baby, what are you doing? Come on now, just... Get it together. Just tell, just be truthful. Tell Amber, you know what? Um, I have to focus on my schoolwork right now. I don't have time for a girlfriend. Don't, you know, because she even she even texted him back. She was like, "Are you standing me up? Are you look? You better not be late to dinner with my mom." So, uh, so obviously this this little relationship has been going on for a little bit of time because she's bringing him home to meet mom. Mark, don't you don't you fuck this up. See, my, my thing is, Mark must not like her as much as he thinks he likes her because he would have told her already. But, you know, that's you know, I, I think I said that before. Yeah, but I'm, I'm beginning myself. to agree with you a little bit on this one, actually. I don't know, because I think if it were me, being in a relationship with someone for a few months, I don't know if that would be enough for me to give like this huge huge secret that could potentially be detrimental if things were to go bad and you were to turn on me i i just don't know if three months would be enough for that kind of i i i think i think it is i think it's that's plenty of time because if he because then you you're doing things you're keeping stuff from her and you're not giving her a choice in the matter. So if you're if you're willing to have been in it for even he's a senior, so he's 18. He's been he's been in it or what 17. You've well, well, he's been in this relationship long enough. Okay. Like he should have, he should realize this the way he's going is not really working, right? He's already had to make up to her several times for for stuff. And it would be easier if you just told her and hope for the best. But if it, if she doesn't come off to you as a person who would not keep your secret if you break up 
or she's a person that you'd be worried, well, maybe one day we will break up, then she's not someone you think you should want, you may not want to be with for the rest oh, of your life. There's plenty of people don't. who met their high school sweethearts in, in high school and got married and had wonderful lives. But on the other hand, you're also really young. So she's not going to be the first one or the last one. I mean, she's not going to be the last one. So if you want to break up with her, just break and up see, with her so you can do what you I think that's do. more so my, my thinking because this is his first relationship. So it's kind of like... Mm, well, don't teenagers fall in and all up like every few weeks or every month anyway? That's the I, other thing too. <laughs> well, okay, let, okay, so I see both of your points on that because... I do, I do know that you can be young and in a relationship and it be serious and, and to that point. I do understand that. I also see Lori's point where it's kind of like, okay, you know, teenagers are fickle. You know, they're in love with this person one minute and then the next minute they're in love with someone else. And then later on they decide, oh no, I want to go back to the first person. So I can understand that on both ends. My whole thing is, I just feel like, right now with Mark, being a new superhero, being in a new relationship, trying to navigate all of this stuff. I just feel like if you, if you don't feel comfortable right now telling her what you are, then in the relationship, maintain the friendship for now, at least while she still has respect for you. And then maybe later on, once you get a handle on it, once you have better time management skills and once you have a better grip on how to balance these things, maybe go to her and say, okay, look, before we get into this relationship thing, let me tell you what's going on with my life. And then you can make the decision on whether this is something you want to deal with. Because yes, there are going to be times when I have to break a date. There are going to be times that I'm going to be late. There are going to be times I may not show up at all. And I may not be able to give you a courtesy call and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late for dinner. I've got to go, you know, save a burning, uh, uh, you know, I've got to go save people from a burning building right now because, you know, this this villain is doing whatever. He may not have to do, that's my whole thing. Just yeah. show her that respect. If you're not going to tell her that you're a superhero now, then just kind of be like, okay, look, I think we kind of need to pump the brakes on this. I've got a lot of stuff going on right now that I need to figure out how to deal with. And then maybe later approach her and say, hey, this is what's going on. Is this something you feel like dealing with? Because again, she's young too. She may not feel like dealing with all that. You know, we, we had this discussion you know, talking about another show where we were talking about John Walker's wife, like when you're the girlfriend of a superhero, they're like, there are added, uh, you know, things that you have to deal with that you may not want to deal with. She may not want to be the girlfriend of a superhero. She may not want to be in danger of being kidnapped and used for ransom and all this other stuff. Give her that option. You're also you're also missing missing one other point that's probably true as well, and that this is Mark's first girlfriend, like the first relationship that he's ever had. So maybe he's afraid to lose it because he's like, shit, I might not get another one. I mean, you know, he doesn't think that, and he doesn't think that Eve is really into him. I mean, he still thinks that she probably is harboring feelings for Rex Douchebag over there. So he's like, okay, well, I I like her. And maybe it's like, I mean, maybe I'll just do my best to maintain this because I might never have this opportunity again. Plus, she's fine. But, well, it, wait, if, if that's the case, then you might as well tell her. 
but right. but also like three months becomes six months mm-hmm. becomes mm-hmm. a year becomes two years so three years into relationship and you're still breaking dates and you're still not telling her what's going on and you're still apologizing to her when you finally tell her she's gonna look at you like well, that was like three years wasted. <laughs> right. You know, she may have, I, I mean, you sort of have to take, I know he's a teenager, but at some point we have to stop making that the actual excuse. Yeah. And if he, right. if he decides you to still have to take, that. you still have to take the other person's feelings kind of into consideration. A little yeah. Bit, the kicking to the curb not. thing. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, I mean, it, it, well, there's, there's a lot of things that could go on with that. I mean, I, I agree with you guys, but I just I just think that as long as the girl or the guy that you're dating, you're a superhero, doesn't, being that young, expect for it to go into something else, like maybe you guys get engaged or, or you know, or something like that. As long as you just say, we're just dating and just kind of keep it casual, not so serious, then it might work. I, I don't know. But it, it just it just seems to me that if he was a smarter kid, in my opinion, he would just date her and just leave it at that because he's got too much. I mean, he tells her in this episode, I work with my dad. And that to me was enough of an explanation that she shouldn't get so amped up over him missing dates and stuff. Right. And the flip side of that, what Lori's touching on, is she might need to do some evaluating herself. Right. Exactly. Right? She should she should expect a little bit better for herself right. than what she's exactly. getting from exactly. Him. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, the long- that, that the longer he waits, the more the more likely it is that her feelings are going to get hurt. Because if he waits one month, mm-hmm. two months down mm-hmm. the line, and he tells her he's going to be she's going to be like, "Why didn't you just tell me? Why why didn't you tell me I was three months ago when you missed dinner with my mom or when you stood me up at the soup kitchen or like two months ago when we were doing get ready to this." This is what you were doing. Why didn't you just fucking tell me? And mm-hmm. you decided to hold this from me the whole time. What else are you holding from me? And it's just not going to end well for him. So yeah, he probably. But then again, mm-hmm. we're giving we're giving an eight seventeen or eighteen year old boy way too much credit because he's this mm-hmm. eighteen year old boy who's probably never dated before and has no idea how to maintain these things. So yeah, that's that's what yeah, I said sure. at the Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. just you know. But and and we'll see how that you know all of these things kind of come up later on in the episode when he actually does miss the dinner and you know all this other stuff. But um, we'll we'll get to that. So Titan takes this chip that he has just stolen and he takes it to his boss, Machine Head. And this, okay, so this guy, I don't. I don't even know, like, is he a real person with a machine head or is like, I'm, I'm confused to exactly what he is. You know, he, he's got a machine head. He talks in auto tune, (laughs) (laughs) but everything else is human. And, you know, he, he gets this chip from Titan. He inserts it in his head and I guess it's kind of like an upgrade. So I don't know. I'm 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 confused. Like he, he because you have a chip and and, and it's a sexual experience for him. He's like, oh yeah, oh that feels so good. I was That's like, okay. you haven't seen enough Doctor oh, Who. That's yeah. perfectly normal in Doctor Who. <laughs> he's like a old. He's like an ultra. Whatever those things are. 
yeah, the not like the soldiers that get cold, but the other ones. Um, yeah, that they do this. Cybermen. Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, I would. I was gonna say a different one, but yeah, the Cybermen would would probably be mm. more along the lines because they still have human brains. Yeah. I just think the auto tune thing was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I, I see, was Hanukkah put way too much thought into what I was. I looked at it and I'm like, I just rolled with it. I mean, I literally just rolled with it. I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> pain. Like, I'm going to rob you. And- okay. So I'm one of those people who is not a huge fan of auto tune. So just listening. To this- wait, wait. Now, I didn't say I was a fan. I just said I, I liked this application of the auto tune. It was kind of it, it kind of got on my nerves. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here looking at this character like, oh my God, how long do I have to listen to him talk? It was just, oh, it was irritating. But anyway, so we learned in this conversation that yes, Titan is practically in debt to this dude. And that is why he has been working as hired muscle. But now with the completion of this task, he's telling Machine Head, hey, you know, I don't need you anymore. I'm I'm not about to do this anymore. I'm done. And Machine Head is telling him, no, you are not out this life. You are too valuable to me. I can't let you walk away from this. He was like, you're going to keep working for me. And that's just it. So he says, you have to decide how painful do you want it to be? So basically, he's not giving him any choice. He's saying, you're still going to work with me. Now, we can do this the easy way with you just agreeing to work for me, or you can continue to resist and we just, we're going to have some issues. We're going to make this painful. And again, like we said, we find out that Titan has a wife and a daughter, and it appears that the daughter has some kind of illness. And this is why he's doing this. He's trying to provide for his daughter to make sure she can get the treatments that she needs. And also he's trying to do it to keep them safe. High horse. Okay. Things you should never do. One, work for the bad guy because you need money. Borrow money from the bad guy because you need money. Ask the bad guy for a favor if you need money or not. And then work for the bad guy. These are the things that you should never, ever, ever, ever do. This guy stepped into it because he went to the bad guy for help don't biggest biggest trope ever huge trope ever and it never ever this is almost as bad as the superhero's girlfriend getting kidnapped end of trope off of high horse yeah i mean that's that's valid that is wholeheartedly true it's like what makes you think that you're going to you go to a bag and be like, I need, I need raw money. Okay, sure. Just do a couple things for me. Then I'll let you go. Yeah. And then you do it and he's like, nah, you're going to keep working for me or I'm going to kill your family. And it's like, it happens all the damn time. And yeah. I mean, usually, because usually it ends with like the, the, hero, the anti-hero killing the boss or something happening mm. to the boss. But it's like, it is, it, it is kind of, it's kind of worn out. It's just like, Okay, this 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 episode was filled with tropes, man. Like there were there were at least five tropes in here that we like. Really, again, yeah. that one too. I mean, it was still entertaining. It's just like okay, I've seen this before, like a ton. Yeah, but it's kind of easy, you know. It's easy for us to sit on this side of it and say, "Oh yeah, you should never do that," because we've never been in positions where 
something like that was a necessity. But you know, it's funny. There's a there's a thing going around on Facebook. It's uh, an old Tumblr post, and someone says, "One day you lose your wallet, and it is found by a mob boss who figures out that you aren't in such a good place financially and takes pity on you." So they start anonymously sending you cash, clothes, and furniture to you in the mail. Eventually, the mob boss sends you a letter to uh, to you stating that they bought you a house and it lists an address. What do you do? And somebody responded, in this economy, you thank them politely, pledge your loyalty, and join the mob. It's kind of... <laughs> 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 I like that. That's funny. It's, it's, it's easy to say what we wouldn't do. Oh, no, I would never go borrow money from, you know, a mob boss. I would never do this. I would never go to a crime lord for help. But until you you've been put into that kind of situation where you don't, have any other options. I mean, let's let's think about um, what we've been talking about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the character of Car- Carlin Morgenthau. You know, the reason why she and the Flag Smashers were doing what they were doing is because the people who needed help weren't getting the help that they needed. You know, they were being put out on the street. They were being tossed out from their homes. They were being forced back to countries that did not want them in the first place. And they would just be homeless they would be you know in financial ruins that sort of thing and when you go to when you go through all the right channels to try to get help and I know this just being in my own real life I've had to be on welfare before I've had to go ask for public assistance you know I've been unemployed I've been almost homeless so I I know firsthand that kind of struggle when you try to do everything the right way and you still get doors slammed in your face you know you have all of these resources that are supposed to help you with um, your utilities if you don't have the money to pay them or to help you with your rent and then you do everything you're supposed to do and you go to these places and when you get there they're like oh we're out of the money we don't have this we can't help you oh you made 14 dollars more than the lowest uh, financial threshold so we can't help you so until you've been in those kinds of situations where you have no other choice, we it's easy for us to say, yeah, they shouldn't do that. But there are people who feel like they have no other alternatives. And unfortunately, those are the people that get taken advantage of because you go to this place or this person because you don't have any other any other options. And now you're stuck in it. You know, when you try to get out, when you try to do this temporarily or you're like okay you know what i fulfilled my my debt to you let me leave and be on our way there's not too many people who will allow you to do that you know so i i think i now that i sit here and think about it i can only think of one in my head right now and that was john wick he did what he needed to do to get out of his life and and he did it, and they left him alone until you know Theon Greyjoy fucked up and killed his dog. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But Spoiler. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet. They're on, they're on John Wick four now. If you have, I know. <laughs> so, but and the memes are everywhere about exactly. Oh, I know. But you know, uh, it, yeah, I get your point. I get your point. So it's kind of like Titan is in this impossible situation, and then. It's also, I think for some people, they can go, they can hold out from going that route. Oh, you know what? I don't, I don't need the help that bad, whatever, if it's just them. 
He has a wife and he has a sick child. I'm telling you now, when it comes to your children, you will put yourself in situations that you think you would never do because you want to take care of that child. It can be as simple as staying, staying in a relationship that's toxic or dangerous because you think that you need that relationship to sustain whatever you need for your children. Or it can be as, you know, far-fetched as going to a crime lord or a loan shark to get money to pay your rent to make sure that your child has a place to stay. So, you know, in, in this instance, I can kind of see, you know, Titan wanting to go, you know, wanting to do the right thing, not being able to do the right thing. And then of course, we don't know what his circumstances are. We don't know how he became super powered or whatever they call, you know, beings of his nature in this, you know, he's in our eyes, he's a mutant. You know, he has the ability to, change his outer layer so that he is protected we don't know what kind of difficulties that has caused for him in his life or what kind of discrimination he has faced or that sort of thing you know it may be it may be difficult for him to hold a regular job because of that maybe during the time that he went to machine head to get help maybe he didn't know how to control it and it was just one of those things that was kind of happening whenever that would cause some difficulties for a person in his position so you know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, now he's stuck. He wants to get out of this life. And Machine is like, no, you're too valuable. I can use you to shake down anybody who owes me, anybody who threatens me. I can use you to protect me. No, I'm not letting you go. And, and so now you have to stay with me and we can decide how hard this is going to be. You can either do it voluntarily or I can force your hand. But either way it goes, you're not going anywhere. Hmm. And that sucks because you can tell that Titan really doesn't want to do that. I mean, again, he's he's burning people out of their homes and then turning around, giving them cash so that they can find a place to stay. Chances are this is the cash that he's made doing these things. So it's kind of like one of those, you know, it's, it's just it's a really tough position for someone like him to be in. They, they set him up very, very successfully mirroring the, that Luke Cage episode. It was season one where he was going through the neighborhood and that one girl had the baseball and that her dad had and that he went and he found it for her. And all through the day, he was helping people with various things. At the end of the day, he got the baseball back and stuff. It was very, this whole episode was very Luke Cagey. Mm-hmm. which is interesting because I didn't think about it until you guys brought it up. I'm like, oh yeah, except for that last part. But it <laughs> just went over my head. But see, my thing is this. I, I agree with everything you said. I really and truly do. But my thing is, is that if you know that that's the only way that you can get help and you know that you're going to be in it, because once you join that, you're in it for life. Don't try to get out. Because they're either going to kill you or not let you out. So there was no point in him saying, I'm done. That just made it worse in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard having these like hard ass decisions to make. But it's like some people just, like you said, so you're like, unless, until you're in that position, you don't know what you're going to do. I mean, it's like most people have been put in positions like that where they're naturally good people, but it's like to save their family, they'll do whatever it takes. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. like you know, it's, it's just, it's way harder to just judge people about that. Right. And then also too, on the flip side of that, 
for someone like Machine Head, you really, sometimes you have to be careful with what you challenge people with. Because someone who is in that kind of position where they feel like they have nothing else to lose, that can make them a dangerous person. You know, that can make them say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to live my life like this for the rest of my life. I need to figure out a way to get out of this. And then they start thinking about doing things that maybe they didn't think about before you threaten them. You know, that sort of thing. So it's just, it's it's one of those difficult, you know, like you said, Mike, that is a, a trope that we see a lot, especially in superhero movies, but it's also one that kind of makes you think like, okay, so at what point do you just kind of let let go of the control that you have over somebody else's life? Like you, you want to assert the fact that you have control over this person's life, but then if that person feels like they have nothing else to lose, they have nothing else to deal with, what's to stop them from trying to fuck you up? Saying, right. okay, you know what? I'm going to do whatever it takes to get from up under your thumb, not limited to and possibly including trying to kill you, which we see is kind of sort of what happens in this episode. Titan, at some point during the episode, he has a conversation with his daughter and, you know, she knows that he has special abilities and she she point blank asks him, Daddy, are you a good guy? How do you answer that? You know, yes, you're a good guy, but you do bad things so that you can try to be a good guy at home, so that you can try to provide for your family at home. You know, that's one of those things that will cause a person to kind of lose their mind, you know, or lose their their sense of control, their their sense of, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do what I have to do. No, when your child is coming to you wondering if you're a good guy or a bad guy, that's going to kind of set some things in motion for you, you know? And yeah. he reaches out to Invincible. They have this conversation in, you know, Mark, Mark, Mark. Yeah, you want to play? Let's go. Mark. He's just like, hey, I kicked your butt a, a while back. Dude, let's not start the conversation. <laughs> but, you know, he reaches out to Mark and, you know, Mark comes at him with all of these preconceived ideas about who Titan is. He's like, look, you don't know anything about me. And they have a conversation that kind of sparks some curiosity in Mark and he kind of follows Titan to see what's going on. And he sees Titan outside this community center where he picks up his daughter and wife. And he has a conversation with Titan. He's like, okay, so what's the deal? What's going on? Titan's like, look, I work for this crime Lord. He's controlling me. He's basically not letting me out from under his thumb. I need to get away from him. I need to be able to go back to my family and keep my family safe and not have to work for this dude anymore. So he's trying, he's basically trying to recruit Invincible to help him. And of course, Mark goes to his parents and tells them about what's going on. And Nolan is like, nope, nope, mm -mm. nope. You don't need to help anybody else. He was like, you don't know if you can trust this guy. And the conversation is actually, you know, Nolan is like, he's such an asshole sometimes, you know, Mark is really trying to 
come to him. He's like, look, isn't the point of being a superhero to help people? And, and Nolan is like, no, that's not your business. Stay out of it. He made his bed, let him sleep in it. He, what did he say? Um, he says, you're a Viltrumite. You fought off an alien invasion. You saved this planet from an asteroid. This is beneath you. Okay, look. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, Hanukkah. I know what you're you about to say. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I know what you're about to say, which is why I'm not even looking at you on the screen right now. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I'm just going to say I, I somewhat agree with Nolan. I do because the this small time crime lord in a small little area of the city that responsibility should fall on your local police department, your local detectives. Let them deal with that stuff. You know, aliens invading from another dimension. Okay, we got you, but no, because if that's the case, then his time is going to be filled with you know chasing down prostitutes and johns looking for illegal gambling establishments like where do you draw where where do you draw the line you know where do you draw the line and his that that would mean that his time would be spent doing all these little things he has to set parameters imagine if they but superman did the same thing you can't be everywhere at the same time saving everybody you just can't it's kind of like that first, the first Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, where he's like, he's like calling Mr. Stark, he's like, "Yeah, I, I helped this this guy got his bike stolen, and I helped him, I helped him get it back." But other than that, it's pretty dead. Yeah, still trying to work. You know, and it's like, okay, is he going to be the friendly neighborhood invincible, or is he going to be like a hero? I mean, is he going to be I, the world protector, or is he going to be snatching cats out of trees? He'll be the block captain. But I mean, I okay, look. I, I'm kind of 50-50 on this. Anthony has a good point. However, are you going to be the hero of all people or just some people? It's kind of like, you kind of, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you have to take a small job, maybe it leads to a bigger job. I don't know. I, but it's like, what are you going to say? Well, here's, here's, here's the kind of... This, no, this, this, I'm sorry. This is the thing. Those little petty crimes and, and little gangster stuff and racketeering and and all that stuff, that stuff is always going to be happening, regardless of who's in charge. It doesn't go away. It's always going to be there. You're not going to be able to stop it. You know, For example, that's why Gotham is in shambles, because there's so many different gangs and crime wars. Batman doesn't have a life. He spends all his time doing this little stuff. You know what I mean? So, so Invincible can't, Invincible can't, he can't. Who's if he can't okay, if there's an asteroid plumbing towards Earth and you're like, Oh my god, everyone is tied up. We need to send Invincible. And Invincible is down here busting some kid for buying alcohol and using the fake. No, no, ID. no. And I'm not you saying that I mean? Invincible should just, be doing those things. No, I'm but just saying when it comes in, I'm to just the crime, in general. Yeah, but what I'm saying is as far as this crime lord goes, and we know this this I mean, same thing with Gotham too when you're talking about those kinds of crimes, you said something about, isn't that something for the local police to handle? Well, we already know that most of the times when it comes to crime lords, when it comes to this kind of activity in cities, the police are usually in the crime lords pockets. So they're not really gonna be much help. They're gonna turn away. So in that case, yeah, some of these more 
and especially since there's violence in involved in these, you know, particular crimes, sometimes they do go to the superheroes. Now, my thing is, it wouldn't fall on Invincible if Nola hadn't killed the fucking Guardians of the Globe. Well, they, they wouldn't be helping with that. They, they wouldn't have even been doing that either. <laughs> they wouldn't have been dealing with that situation either. It's a well, we small don't know. Times crime lord in because. But you can't the, call the, him small time is, if he's okay, having this, such a massive effect the, this, on the whole city. Okay. The, the, Okay, I'm, I'm going to make a slippery slope argument, which I hate slippery slope arguments. <laughs> but if if that's the case, there are a lot of things that Invincible can use his power to stop. There's a lot of things that he could do to make the world a better place. And, and he's not bothering his time doing it. I mean, there's areas of extreme poverty. There's areas where people are starving. I mean, there are places where people, you know, why is he not stopping? Um, he's not along the border stopping um, child trafficking. Or I'm just saying, it's like a drug trafficking. Why isn't he taking down the cartels in South America? These are things that can actually make drastic changes in the world. He's not doing it. He's not. And neither are the Guardians. Neither is Rick Splode, the team, team or whatever. They're not doing anything about that stuff. Because I think for a lot of those heroes, just just from what I see, especially the quote-unquote smaller ones, because yes, Invincible is a superhero, but he's nowhere on the level of Omni-Man, you know, as far as well, no one, it's not popularity. No, no one's on the level. Yeah, but Omni-Man. that's what I'm saying. Like, Omni-Man, the Guardians of the Globe, those superheroes are more, I feel like, along the lines to help out in the world. Invincible and the team team and those things. I feel like those superheroes are more so the ones that try to start out helping in their neighborhood, helping in the areas that have an impact on them first. And then as they get bigger, they 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 branch out a little bit more, but that's just kind of how I look at Invincible. Like Invincible is a he's a local superhero right now, you know. He well, but he has he has the advantage of Omni Man is his father, so he can skip all that stuff and go straight to the big leagues because his father's training him and teaching him this stuff. But my my point applies to all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that they have the power to do right now. You know, if Mark wanted to, he could go to Mexico and and dismantle all of the cartels if he wanted to. That's you know, he true, could go but... and and find all the cocoa fields in the world and poppy fields, and he could destroy all that stuff. And, and we wouldn't and have you're right, but, you know, but but but, but my we, point is, who, but who are we to right. t- who are we to tell him who he should save? If he feels like helping Titan is something that he needs to do for himself, or is something that he feels like his powers would be well used for, why shouldn't he? Why should he be told that that's beneath you? You need to go higher. Because he's going to need to draw a line somewhere, and anything below that line is going to be beneath him. But if you do that with a superhero, and I'm just thinking about real world now, I mean, if you always focus on the bigger picture and don't worry about the smaller things, 
that eventually turns into the bigger things, we'll never solve the world's problems. That's you the know, point. You, but but the, the, those problems won't ever be solved. And but we can do something about a planet killer. Yeah, we can take care of that problem right now. But world hunger, trying to obtain world peace, drugs, mental health problems, you know, um, human trafficking, that that stuff, there, there isn't any end to it. And there isn't going to be any end to it because you have to have a fundamental change in the entire planet's belief system yeah. in order to fix it. I and, agree. And... And unfortunately, I'm trying not to be too cynical, but unfortunately, you know, making change happen one person at a time doesn't really work because you're always going to have people who don't want to change. I and, understand, but it's and, a, and I mean, but you got somebody he, or heroes, has someone they, who wants to make a change, who wants to, why not start there? Yeah, but then you get taken advantage of, <laughs> you know, because that, that person may not have your best interest at heart and they be using you or they could be using you to get what they want through how you feel. We've seen this happen in other shows that, you know, someone is being taken advantage of because of their own beliefs. Yeah, I understand that, but I still don't think that makes it wrong. You know, I don't think he's wrong for wanting to help Titan, even though we see where that gets him at the end of the episode. No, I'm I'm just defending. I'm just saying what Nolan told him is a valid thing to say. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying don't just automatically dismiss what Nolan said, that that, that's beneath you. Well, from Nolan's perspective, it kind of is because he would be spending all his time trying to solve all these little things to no effect. Yeah, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm not taking a lot of what Nolan says these days. <laughs> Come on. I you, mean, you give Nolan yeah, Nolan did one really, really bad thing and y'all are just holding that against him. That was part of his mission, part of his plan. People to the point where he tore spines, he squished heads, he actually decapitated one of the people that's not a small thing to just look over and be like oh he just did this one thing i'm just saying it's a major one thing it is a major thing but i'm saying it doesn't make he's not some diabolical sociopath he he everything he does you don't know that yet if he was a diabolical sociopath more people would be dead we don't know that he'd be he'd be (laughs) killing people left and right you know, he'd be Homelander if he was a sociopath, and he's not. Cecil would be dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, he, he wouldn't have stopped at Guardians. He wouldn't have stopped at the Guardians of the Globe. He would have destroyed the whole entire program. Mm. He would have killed all those people. He would have killed Cecil, his assistant. He would have taken all that stuff away from them. And as, or as, as soon as he replaced them with another team, he'd have killed all of them too. No, but he's not Homelander. That's well, like not I said, what he's team doing. Team, uh, or so you can take guardian. some of mm. you can't you can take some. Either it, sh- it shouldn't matter. He's a, if he's if he's a psychopath, it wouldn't matter. But it does matter. Everything has a purpose. He's not he's not Homelander. He's not. And stop trying to make him in the Homelander. And you can, and he hasn't really said or done anything with Mark that would 
that would not that would be indicative of someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Okay. I mean, he is clearly oh. telling him, look, this is something that you don't really know anything about this situation. You have this guy off the street just tell you that he needs your help to do something. Mm-hmm. What do you really know about him? You know what I mean? Like, what do you really know about what is happening in the world right now? Mark doesn't know where Mount Rushmore is. But he's supposed to <laughs> understand the politics of the criminal underground and the criminal world. He doesn't. He has no experience with it. And that's all Nolan is basically saying. He may have said it the wrong way. Mark didn't take it the right way. But he's basically saying, look, what do you really know about this guy? Oh, you know he has a kid and a mother? So do I. I have a wife and a child, too. But you don't really know me, do you, son? I'm just saying. <laughs> what, do you, what, what does he's what? What do you really know about this guy? He doesn't see. Yeah, but okay. see, uh, even even at this point in the is... episode, well, so at the point of this episode, you, you know, we've watched it. We know what happens at the end. Right. But I'm saying at this point in the episode, I had the same reaction. I'm like, yeah, you don't know who this guy is and what he's about. You really don't. But in you did the, no but research. If you, if, but he if just took his to word operate, for it. But if we were to operate under that assumption, just in general everyday life, I I just feel like that's like seeing the people when you're getting off the expressway and you see the people standing there holding signs saying that they're homeless or they need help. Do you sit there and look at each one of them and say, okay, I wonder, do they really need help or blah, blah, blah. I just feel like that. Several, several years ago, <laughs> the authorities busted a ring of people who were making over $200,000 a year by standing at intersections and I pretending to that. be homeless. And I understand that. And, I'm not and saying those people honest. don't exist. I'm just saying you can't do something and not think that it may be more than to the situation than necessary. There was also instances where people, you know, where these two little kids were going to fast food restaurants, we can't find our parents, we're hungry, and we're lonely, and blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, people are being kidnapped, murdered, and left on the side of the road. Um, we, you can't go into a situation and not know all of the details. And, and just, oh, I get that, but at the, really dark <laughs> no, because big, I mean, but I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the shows that we discuss, even I mean, even though they are fictional, they do have their basis in a lot of real world issues. This is no different. And I mean, this is a good point. I understand everything that Anthony is saying, because there are there are certain circumstances like we have certain people at some of the stores and locations around us where you know that they are scamming people. And it's like, when you've seen them enough, you kind of know, okay, this is a person that you don't want to give your money to because you know they're scamming. Like it's gotten to the point where at some of the quick trips, there was like this one woman and her kids who were known for always asking people, oh, I ran out of money for gas. Can you help me? And like, they would do this consistently to the point where people started sharing this information on social media. Like, don't give this woman Mm -hmm. money because... So I understand that cynicism, but also I think at the same time, if we were to look at every single thing like that with that kind of cynicism, 
what does that make us? It's like we, that changes who we are fundamentally as people, I think. Like, I'm just I wanna saying. Look I, at every, I, I, I'm I wanna just look saying. At every, I, I all, mean, and I get all it. I'm I saying get it. is that I Mark, he, Nolan was telling Mark, you don't know anything about this guy and his situation. You don't. But given the same thing, Mark is sitting right across the, he's sitting right across the table from a murderer. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> but he's, but he's, he's, Nolan is speaking the truth. You don't know anything about this guy. You really didn't help him, but you don't know anything about this guy. And all I'm going to say is we know how the episode ends. That's all I'm going to say. You don't know anything about this guy. And it does make us cynical, but it actually, I mean, you never, the thing is, you never stop learning as a person. It's like when I was way back when my, when I, when I was with my son's mother, we were, we were at a Wendy's and the guy came up to us and he was like, look, I ran out of gas. I'm down the road. It's like, if you just need like 10, 20 bucks. Look, he, and he had a business card. He was like, here's my business card. That's where I work. I like, just call me and I'll get you money and I'll get you your money back. That we were like, all right, game of 20 and whatever. And you know, he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, two weeks later, I was at a liquor store. Got the same guy, same shirt, walked up to me with the same story, and I was like, "Nah, bro, you already now you already got me. Get get going." And he walked. He literally turned his back on me, walked to another person, and started spitting that same story. So it is is cynicism, but it's mostly self protective cynicism because nobody wants to be taken. Nobody wants to be that be that guy that's always giving somebody something and getting taken advantage of. But it makes, I mean, it's, it makes us, it's, it's a learning experience, but it also, you're right. It makes us cynical as fuck. Like it makes it us harden and hey. it makes us, it makes us less likely to, to, it really makes us less likely to help people because we're like, are you scamming me? You're probably scamming me. I've been scammed before. Fuck you. And I get that, but I just have a problem with the way Nolan said that's beneath you. I have a real problem with with that phrase. You know, it's just taken in context with what he said. You you don't know who this guy is, and and, and it is beneath you because you have bigger fish to fry. There there are more important things that you can do with your abilities than doing this, especially in a situation you don't know anything about. And two things can be simultaneously true. I have given change to people at intersections. I still give change to people at intersections. I still also believe that sometimes they're not all who they claim to be, but I still do. I still do it. I still do it. I still, when the person walks up to me at the gas station and says, you know, I just need a little bit of money to get some gas to get somewhere X, Y, Z. Guess what? If I have a couple of dollars in my pocket, I'll give it to them. Even though sometimes I know they're not telling the truth. I haven't gone so far as to be like, nah, everybody's scamming. I, 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 I do believe that, that we should try to help out our brothers and neighbors. I do believe that. I also believe that we can be taken advantage of, which is like, the situation that Mark right. is in. You want to do something nice for someone and you get taken advantage of. I mean, and, and Nolan is telling him, you can't get caught up in that kind of stuff because you have more important things to do. And he may, and one thing we do know about Nolan is he has a very succinct way of putting things, but not really explaining what he's trying to say. You know, True. and so saying you have more important things or this is beneath you 
is not necessarily how I would have put it. And I don't think that's necessarily how Nolan meant it, but he's a Viltrumite and they don't, you know, apparently they don't have that kind of tact, you know, because he even does that with Debbie. With Debbie. Yeah, because sometimes he'll say some stupid stuff to Debbie. You're like, that's not exactly what he meant to say, but that's how we came, how we came out. I, I had to do, go through this with my mother. My mother is the same, was the same way. She would say something and you have to try to interpret, okay, well, that's not exactly what she meant, but I kind of understand where she's coming from. And, you know, Mark is probably, he's 17. He doesn't get that yet. And, and how it sounded to us is probably how it sounded to <laughs> Mark and Debbie. Like, okay. this is beneath you, but that's not really what he meant. He, he just doesn't know how to, to express exactly. He, he, he's done it several times, right? Especially with Debbie, because I think sometimes he says some smart shit to Debbie, and Debbie like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? But that's just because he, he doesn't really know how to put what he's trying to say into, into numerous words, I guess I would say. He says it very succinctly and very directly. Okay. Like a Vulcan, yeah. Okay. Spock, Spock says some stupid shit too and you're like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, but I also have to remember Spock is half human, so he does know how, he does at least know a little bit of the context. So, but... I know, I know this is probably like one of those we've had a lot of random yeah. side conversations so far in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, sometimes sometimes those side conversations are important to have, you know, because it, it does show how how two people can watch one thing and get to- two totally different meanings from the same line, right. you know. But um, But, you know, also this show is one of those shows where it, it does make you think about the morals of the characters in this show, because again, we know what we think about Nolan. We know that we think that he has come to earth with the intent of, you know, getting it ready for his people to infiltrate, to, you know, invade. We don't know that for sure. We think that. And so with that mindset, we're trying to I won't necessarily say justify, but we're trying to explain why he does some of the, the things that he does in the way that he does now. It still doesn't make me say, okay, I understand why this character is doing it because I still think he's an asshole. I still think that the way that he relates to his son and the way he looks at things is very non-approachable. I think he has a lot of questionable qualities in his character and I'm going to continue to think that until I see something different. But again, it's it's a good thing to spark conversation because we all look at those things very differently. I am a more emotional person than I am a logical person. So I'm going to look at things from that perspective, you know, don't be laughing at me, Anthony. But I mean, you know, that that's that's really how it is. So, you know, I, I, the, the conversations are fun and, you know, it gives us a way to express ourselves about what we see in these shows. You know, these shows are fictional. Like I said, they do have a lot of basis in what we deal with in reality as a society and as people. But moving on from that discussion, because again, the whole Nolan and Mark thing and, and the Titan situation will come up in a huge way 
later on in the episode, but let's let's go to the what is it the t- uh I, I keep wanting to call them team team because so many of them are in this group but the new guardians of the globe um they don't seem to be getting along very well like we we said this in the previous episode when they were when they were chosen um you know rexplode is full of ego he's a little bit of an asshole as well give him all the give him all the credit he deserves he is a huge fucking asshole and he has no reason to be he's like an incredible douchebag right but like they're coming back from a mission and they're celebrating because they've defeated what uh the lizard league i think is the name of the um the name of the other group and yeah black samson is pissed because he's like look two dozen civilians are in the hospital right now because we fought like individuals instead of like a team what are we celebrating and rex is still kind of like look i still think that we won and it's like he doesn't he doesn't get it really right and you know there's just a lot of conflict with this team and I don't know how they're supposed to be the guardians of the globe. I don't see how they're supposed to go and save anything because they don't, they don't work together. They're not, they don't operate as a team and they're, they're all pretty much. Well, I, hmm, I won't say they're all selfish. We know Rexplode is and that kind of, I don't know, his kind of attitude kind of, uh, it, it almost seems like it's infecting the team a little bit because everyone has their own sense of ego and, oh, well, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what I was supposed to do. I did, you know, it's just, they're not working as a cohesive unit and, and that's going to come into play later on in the episode as well, because we see when it really comes down to it and they need to fight together. It's just, yeah, they're just not. And, I still, I, I still feel like I need to, I need to reiterate that the relationship between Rex and Monster Girl is still incredibly fucking awkward and R. Kelly-ish. Like I just not there for it at all. It's it's like, just weird because of the fact that she is a twenty five year old in the body of a twelve year old. That's why it's weird, and it's like we're supposed. We're supposed to remember that she's a grown up, but when you see what she looks like on the outside, it's kind of like, I, dude, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And I mean, I don't think there's anything awkward on it from his end because I think he actually looks at her like a little kid. And I think what makes it awkward is she doesn't look at him like she's a kid. She's she's looking at him and she's trying to interact with the rest of them like she's a grown-up. Like even when they start passing the alcohol around, um, Duplicate kind of takes back the alcohol when she gets ready to give it to her. She's like, look, I'm 25. Give me the damn beer. You know, you know, I, I, I have struggled with this particular thing throughout the series because, and I'm about to say something that may not be popular with a lot of people, Everybody in this world these days has an issue about this, an issue about that. You have to say the right pronouns. You have to say the right gender. You have to say the right appropriate name for a person's ethnicity, uh, whatever, right? And we have a show 
where they are showing a young child and they are showing her, but they're telling us that she's a certain age for story points, but you've got this teenager who possibly might be 18 is looking at her and nobody's calling out the themes of, of, of pedophileness. Nobody has an issue with it. Nobody has said anything. I mean, I literally spent a half hour just godsmacked that Demi Lovato yelled at a frozen yogurt place because they had a nerd to put sugar-free label on their yogurts. I mean, it's, it's like everybody has to respect everyone. And I get that. And everybody has to respect everything. But the fact that they're not respecting the fact that they are portraying something that is and could be potentially harmful you you got kids who can see this and assume that because they said she was a certain age that it's okay to portray this on tv i'm actually disturbed by it i don't like it at all but what okay maybe i'm confused because again when i watch this show i don't think i've ever seen a scene where Rex actually treats Monster Girl like her quote-unquote actual age. He looks at her like she's a child and it's like... Right, but I just, I'm, I'm just uncomfortable with the fact that they're setting this up and and I don't like how it's portrayed. I, I guess I that's think there, was, there, was a, there was a moment in like the last episode where she was talking to Rex and she was like, yeah, you know how yeah. hard it is to date? And it's like, you know, me being 25 and, and he's like, oh. And it was, it was kind of an awkward moment there. And I was just like, "Don't go there." Yeah, there, there, because there's no reason that there's even though even though like semantically you could say, "Well, she is 25," it's still the visuals are not are not are not conducive to being you know anything that you'd want people to even get an inkling of. Because like you said, like like Lori said, we're in a society where people get offended at the drop of a hat. I mean, it's like, why would you want to put get get people talking about talking about oh my god they're they're promoting child predators it's like i wouldn't even want to be around any right of that's that. what i'm that's you, you know say it better than i said it even, even thank if, you even if there's nothing inappropriate going there nothing inappropriate there why even why even stir the pot and why why even try it and and provoke something like and, that and remember she well side yeah. note she also you know, as a 13-year-old made fun of a grown man's penis size as well. So that she that was, was but I mean I'm just I'm just either. yeah this like I'm just saying like she I mean it's the visuals it's not it's, I mean she's a 25 year old woman fine yeah. yeah that that you're saying it much better than I was trying to say it. Yes that's that's what I was okay. saying because I because the way that I was looking at it like when I see those two characters interact I get more so of a weird vibe from her character than I do from his character because I don't think his character looks at her character and is like, yes, she looks 12, but oh, she's 25. Let me think of her. His character doesn't strike me as that like, oh, she looks one way, but she's actually this way. Let me look at her like a grown woman. I don't get that from his character at all. Like It's probably quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) when, When I see those two characters interact, I can probably... Like, I can see where she might be looking at him like, oh, she has a crush on him kind of way, which in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't bother me as much because I look at it like, you know, when you're a teenage kid, you might have a crush on an older celebrity. 
it's not anything that's really attainable. It's just, oh, he's cute, whatever, whatever. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I think maybe because I'm not looking so much into it, but when I see Rex interact with her, he behaves like the grossed out older brother towards her. So I guess that's why it doesn't bother me in that sense, because I don't think he looks at her in that kind of way, in a way that will be disturbing. He looks at her like, okay, yeah, I know you say that you're 25, but you look like you're 12 and I'm going to treat you like you're 12. That's kind of the vibe I get from Rex. I don't get any other kind of vibe from him like, oh, he might be looking at her in an alternate way. No, he interacts with her like she's the annoying kid sister that he can't stand. Maybe I'm not looking at it close enough, but that's the vibe I get from his character. I get something different from her character. Like maybe she has a crush on him and she's pissed because she doesn't look the way she's supposed to be in order to pursue that. I do see that more from her character than I do from his character you know, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, g- going, going back to them, it's just, th- there are, I will say there are a lot of, I guess, weird dynamics with this show because of some of those certain things. Like you've got Nolan, who is very clearly a murderer, but there's supposedly a reasoning behind him being a murderer. So we're not supposed to look at him like that. You know, we're supposed to look at him like, oh, he's got an ulterior motive. So we're waiting to see that. The whole thing with uh, Monster Girl and her aging backwards every time she changes and how that makes it difficult for her to interact with the other adults in the room. That's kind of weird. And then the whole thing with Robot is weird, too, because I really do get the feeling that, you know, I think we discussed this um, in the last episode. I don't think robot is actually a robot. I think he is a person that is controlling this this robot thing and and, and mm-hmm. you can tell that he looks at Monster Girl a little bit differently. Like I feel more squicked out by his character and how he re- relates to Monster mm. Girl than I do Rex and how he relates to Monster Girl, you know? Because like I said, Rex looks at her too. like a like a bothersome little sister. Robot actually seems to be in, you know, into her. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and, and that, yeah, and that's another layer to that too. I just, like I said, I just that's the one thing I just don't really like about the the show. Maybe I'm strange. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I think with Robot, it's kind of like because we've seen him building, like trying to build another flesh-based sentient being, and I think that's probably for him. I think. I think maybe he has, because we've seen the trope before where a robot is given the consciousness of a of a human who's passed. I think maybe that's what it is, and he's trying to get back into a flesh body, flesh and bone body, which he's growing in, a, which he's growing now. Why? So why he's getting pieces of like samples of blood from everybody and incorporating it into whatever he's creating his DNA. So I mean, that's probably part of it too. But see, the thing is, he didn't get it from just anybody. He got that blood sample from Rex specifically. I think I keep I think that they have, even though they haven't shown it, I think that maybe he's been he's been getting samples from others, where they they just haven't shown it. Because the the scene where he's with the Mahler brothers, he said he's been taking samples, plural. So I mean, it's possible that he already has samples from other people, and he just we just haven't they just haven't put it in the show. 
Mm. That could be. That could be. On that part, I, I agree with you because I think that whatever he's going to be doing, I think that it's more than just a crush on somebody. I think there's way more involved in um, than, I mean, we'll find out eventually, but I think that there's way more involved in just that. I think that it's something a little bit bigger. I still suspect that he kind of, oh, may not be from Earth and that he might actually be working closely with Omni-Man for some reason. Again, I have no no information. That's just speculation. Mm, okay. Wow, we're just going everywhere today, aren't we? <laughs> well, I mean, the show is kind of everywhere when you think about it. But we need to talk about Debbie because Debbie is becoming increasingly suspicious about Omni-Man. You know, she finds Damien Darkblood's notebook that was left in her closet and you know she's looking through the notebook and she sees the notes that he has made uh pretty much almost insinuating that Omni-Man was the one that killed the Guardians of the Globe and she starts to get a little suspicious and you know even during this dinner that she has with Mark and Nolan where they were talking about whether or not Mark should help Titan Debbie was the one who kind of sways Mark into the helping part because when Nolan says this is beneath you um you know Mark asked Debbie he was like well mom what do you think and she basically said you know eventually you're gonna have to decide what you want to do as a superhero but I don't think helping people is ever beneath you and you know she also makes like she gets a side dig in that's kind of an underhanded comment about people not always being who you think they are and we know she's talking about Nolan and Nolan even kind of looks like, okay, what is she doing? Like, I don't think he at this point suspects that she suspects, but he knows that there's something different about the way Debbie is acting. And then later on in the episode, we see that she calls Nolan at home and she's like, hey, do you want to go pick up dinner? And she purposefully sends him out somewhere you know, outside of the country so that he has to leave and be gone for about 20, 30 minutes. And so she goes into the house when he leaves and she starts looking around to see whatever it is that she can find. And she finds the costume and, and now she's getting suspicious. She's like, okay, uh, you know, I forgot what conversation she had, or it, I think there was something that she read in Damien Darkblood's book about the blood. And of course, Nolan's costume is covered in blood and kind of like her, I would be wondering, okay, why is this still here? And not only is it still here, he has it tied up in a bag and he stored it above the curtain so that no one can find it. That's suspicious. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. That's suspicious. So now this is not going to end well for Debbie, I don't think. No, because the first person she's going to go to is Cecil. And Cecil already took care of somebody who was getting too close to figuring out that Omni-Man is actually killed the Guardians because Cecil knows. Cecil I don't think she would go to Cecil because I don't get the I don't get the feeling that Debbie cares for Cecil much and I don't think she trusts him. So I don't think she would go to him. If she doesn't go to him, she's I what? think she, she would. She don't I have think- any. She don't have yeah. any. I mean, even if she doesn't, she's gonna go to whatever little hench glass henchman guy 
and he's going to tell Cecil. So it's like one way or another, if she goes to somebody, they're going. It's going to end up with Cecil, and Cecil's going to find out. And that's when. And, and, and don't forget, they have the house under surveillance anyway. Right. So they probably they might have seen her find the um, seen her find it anyway. Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would actually think that, that Cecil would probably be one of the main people that she would go to for help because if anyone is going to offer her, say, uh, protection or a place that is a safe place to to basically just lay low and live while they figure something out, I mean, your husband is a superhero. Your husband's been nice to you for 20 years, but you know it only takes one time for someone to lose control and go go nuts against you and I don't think he would do it but you can't say that he wouldn't you, you know what I mean so yeah if, if it was me I would find the I would go to the Pentagon literally yeah and besides that it's like she also found Dark Blood's journal so it's like even if they know that she found both of those things she's really in trouble yeah yeah that's true uh, I don't know I, I don't know but um, before we get to the big scene, so Mark and Amber have set up this date. You know, Mark finds out that Amber volunteers at the community center that Titan sends his daughter to and that she has a close you know, connection with it. And he agrees to go with her to help serve uh, food one night. And they also get Eve to agree to go and do this. So Amber and Eve are at the community center. They're getting ready to start preparing. They share a little bit of a bonding moment between them with uh, Amber telling Eve a little bit about her history with that particular community center. And then Eve tells her a little bit about her her situation at home. And they're sitting there bonding, waiting for Mark. Meanwhile, Mark, has decided that he's going to help Titan try to get out of debt with Machine Head. And Titan has distracted Machine Head's right hand. And I think his name is Isotope. Mm -hmm. So he has Isotope out of the way. Invincible and Titan, they come in to attack Machine Head. And this shit goes south like so in a hurry. fast and so bad. Yeah, yeah, this one got his ass whipped by freaking Battle Beast. Like, Battle Beast is like... Whipped is not even the word. Yeah, he got curb stomped. Like, he, this was bad. Like, Jesus. See, Cecil needs to get Battle Beast's number. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's, that's the thing. It's like he's worried about the, the you know, Calamari Kraken and keeping him under arms. And then on ice, she he needs to get with Battle Beast. Me, look, I might need your help soon. But to be honest, I don't think that I don't think I don't think Battle Beast would stand a chance against against Omni Man because Omni Man is just ridiculous. I, I, I would still like to see that fight. I wouldn't mind seeing it either. <laughs> did, 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 did we mention that Nolan was was watching all this take place? Oh no, we we were gonna get to that because okay. it's not just it's not just Battle Beast that comes in. There are like four different um, I don't even know what to call them. They're not superheroes. They're they're villains, but they're you know 
I don't know, but M Machine Head has some some evil people on his payroll apparently, and they come in to fight Titan and and Invincible. And again, like this is not even a fair fight. These villains are wiping the floor with Titan and with Invincible, and it's it's bad. It's horribly bad. It's almost Guardians of the Globe bad with just the two of them. And we do see at some point, um, you can see kind of like the feet and the bottom of the cape of Nolan's and he is hovering in the air above Machine Head's penthouse and he is seeing all of this stuff going on. I mean, his son is literally being pummeled to death. Like Mark is close to death. And Nolan's just in the air, just watching all of this happen. And I was like, dude, your son, like, forget the I told you so's. Get down there and help your child. But then I said, no, no, that's a big I told you so. I know, moment. but this is your child. But again, too, this also made me wonder, like, we when we when we started talking about Nolan and his true um you know, motives for being on earth and about Mark getting his powers. And, you know, Nolan said at one point, maybe it would have been better off for, if he didn't get his powers. I, you know, I kind of wonder if Mark was going to have, I mean, if Nolan was going to have to do something about Mark, like if he was sent to earth to prepare it for invasion. And one of the things that he had to do was get rid of the Guardians. And I would assume he's only getting rid of the Guardians because the Guardians probably posed the most threat to him. You know, maybe the other superheroes, the other superhero teams, those are probably just a blip on Nolan's radar because they're not strong enough. Or as we see with the new Guardians, they're not united enough to pose a threat to him. Mark, on the other hand, being a Viltrumite or being part Viltrumite might... You know, if Mark decides, hey, I don't want your people to invade the earth. I don't want them to do whatever it is to the humans. You know, if Mark kind of chooses to go against his dad, that means that his dad is going to have to fight him or whatever. So I'm sitting here looking at this like, oh, maybe this is Nolan's way of saying, okay, this will take care of that problem. And I don't actually have to kill my son. That's kind of how I looked at it. Oh, see, I looked at it completely opposite. This was another... This was another teaching moment. Yes, this is a teachable Because one. this echoed the moment earlier when he dropped the guy. He was, yeah. and, and Mark asked him, so when do we save him? I'll save him in a minute. Yeah. So he's he's going to let Mark get pummeled to which the inch of his life to, to instruct him again on the importance of dealing with the things that are important. Yeah. Or whatever lessons. He wasn't, he wasn't going to let him die, but he was... Because in, in the end, close enough. He, yeah, he. It, the same thing with dropping the dude. The same thing. I'll save. I'll save him by calling Cecil. Mm. But you know, the other thing too that I thought about because I was like, because I thought about the "I told you so" moment, and I was like, okay, he's gonna let Mark get his ass handed to him a little bit, and then he's gonna come in and help. But then he didn't. Like Mark was really, really hurt, and then the new guardians of the globe come in and they say Cecil got an anonymous call. Mm -hmm. And I was yeah. like, Oh, he, he it doesn't, it later. doesn't, it, the, the lesson doesn't work unless 
he actually feel, felt like he was going to die. So he had to actually let him get pummeled to within an inch of his life in order for the lesson to stick. Especially right. if he comes in and saves him, then Mark is always going to be relying on his dad to save him at the last minute. Yeah, that's true. So, And he also still has to learn that there are people who are stronger than you and you are not ready yet. Yeah. And also you went into this situation not knowing all of the information. Mm-hmm. So all these lessons are have literally gotten beaten into Mark in one fell swoop. Yeah. But, then, but Nolan wasn't going to let him die. Nolan loves him too much. He wasn't going to let him die. Yeah, but I think that was also a way for him to try to get rid of the um, the new Guardians as well. You know, even though granted... He, they, they're, they're, not, not, they're, not, they're not a threat to him. They're not a threat <laughs> to him, but still, it's like if you're getting them to a point, if you're building them to a team, if you're putting them together as a team and the goal is to try to get them to that point, why not just go ahead and get rid of them before they become a threat? And I think that no, I think he, he was the one that made the, the anonymous. Yeah, call yeah. He, he, he's already he'd already made his assessment of the situation. He killed the Guardians of the Globe. Those were his threats. Everyone else after that is insignificant. Yeah, but why then? Then why call the new Guardians of the Globe to that scene? Just I mean, knowing that they will probably get killed too. Because I mean, let's let's be honest. Mark is probably the Mark is probably stronger than all the rest of the you know the new Guardians of the Globe. So again, he has already made an assessment of the team. He is see you're 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 discounting well not you but Mm -hmm. we tend to forget that. Nolan is from a race that has military knowledge and military prowess. Mm -hmm. He's an infiltrator. He went there. He has already evaluated and scouted all the talent. So he knows who this new team is. He knows who they're going to be fighting. And he wouldn't have made the call to Cecil if he didn't know already that whatever the, the new Guardians threw at these people, there would be enough. Like, he probably knows who Battle Beast is. And he probably was like, well, Battle Beast is going to get bored and leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But I guess that's my question. Why even bother calling them there in the first place if that's the case? To 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 stop it. To, oh. you know, to at least intervene. To, okay. to keep Mark from being killed. Okay. Because he's not going to go in and do it. But he knows if, if he didn't have, if he didn't know that, okay, if he hadn't have already made the determination that they would be able to save Mark, mm-hmm. he would have stepped in. Okay. But he had already made that determination. Okay. Yeah. Plus, plus, I mean, it's like they were basically just running interference. It's like for for them for to make to make make sure that he doesn't his son doesn't get killed. Right. So I mean, it's basically he he knew that he knew they didn't stand a chance. He just he's just mm-hmm. like okay, I'll just let them get in there and kind of you know just like beat it get beat up a little bit and cause a distraction right and and distract him from actually going through and fully killing trying to kill mark okay because mark mark was the the shape mark was in they could have assumed he was already dead yeah because whoo but that last may strike i was like fuck is he dead like because he hit him he hit him so hard he bounced I was like, motherfucker. 
like that shit. I was like, fuck, he might be dead. Yeah. But, but I mean, shit, between Titan and Mark, and then they pretty much destroy Monster Girl. You know, they crush her skull, they crush Black Samson. Um, they pretty much kill most of the duplicates. Again. Just killed again, him. Black Samson had that Darkwing shit where he his his suit wasn't working and he was a regular guy and he went up against battle. He he what he I know like he he took his armor off and rushed him. It's like robot told his ass to retreat, but no, he wants to be Black Samson and try to get him. And I'm like, bruh, you you're lucky you only got your arm your wrist broken. It's like he could have he could have really just twisted broke his ass into a pretzel and discarded his ass. I'm like, I, I admire the I admire the 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 motivation, but yeah, no man. Just, yeah, and and I love Paddle Beast. You know what? This is boring. <laughs> I, thought, I was like, you're so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he said, but you know, it's like this is not what I was promised. (laughs) This is nothing. Yeah, and and, and he's like, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm going home. I've had enough. Yeah, the fight was really brutal, and and I, I, I agree with all the points you guys are making. It's just that watching Black Samson again, watching him being the old, old school, the OG. He's with this new young team. You know, you you would think that given his actions that he probably, oh, I don't know, had a little bit more wisdom before they really got into it, I think, a little bit. Because the whole thing was like, you could have read that situation a little bit better. We talk about reading the room. I don't think he read the room quite as well as he thought he had. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, because there was a lot of things that could have been done differently that people would have gotten less hurt. But again, you're talking about a team that does not work well as a unified unit. This is true. This is true. And you could definitely see this. Even with his expertise, even with him trying to teach them or trying to instruct them on what they need to do. I mean, you saw how how they treated him back at Guardian's headquarters after that last mission. He basically pulled up a schematic of the battle and said, this is where you made the mistake. This is what you could have done better. And we would have been more effective. And they're all like, fuck you. We did what we were supposed to do. And we, we won. It didn't go perfectly, but the end result is we won. So screw you. And that's basically how they treat him. So even if he had done all of that, they're still not unified. They were going to get this result regardless because they're not thinking as a team. And they didn't start thinking as a team until Black Samson and Monster Girl got screwed up as bad as they did. That's when they start saying, oh, you made a mistake. And they started fighting together as a team. Right, yeah. But I mean, this is another trope. We've seen this throughout you know, various shows where until they come together and work as a team, you'll never be effective, but there's always going to be the thing where someone always has to get either killed or hurt to the point where they have to work together. Right. I don't know, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of bored with that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, they were, they were standing there looking at looking at Samson's broken body, looking at Invincible, damn near damn near smashed into pieces, and Monster Girl with her head bashed in, and they were like, and fucking Rex Douche was like, you've messed up now. I'm like, motherfucker, what are you, stop. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't just bashed in like her skull was showing yeah like i thought she was dead yeah and robot clearly reacted as though he thought she might too because he he reacted again if, if there were any doubts that robot is actually a human in a robot's body this episode i think kind mm. of cleared all of the doubts because the reaction he had when she got her head smashed in and how he responded to it oh no that's all human emotion and but wait didn't all this happen after battle beats left field um so that they made the teamwork a little bit easier yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and he said mount balby said pathetic this battle is beneath me there's no honor in killing insects yes yeah, he bounced. So, and the, and then all of a sudden, the team comes together. Okay, a little late, <laughs> of course. Yeah. A little late. Yeah, now. they um. Actually, I think the team kind of came together right before he left, but it was like again, it's still too little, too late. I mean, Rex tried to attack Isotope right before he and Machine had disappeared, and then you have Titan hunched over Invincible's body. And he says, sorry, kid, didn't mean for it to end this way. I hope you survive. He was like, but I got to take care of mine. And then he leaves. Yes. And we don't know, you know, it, it's just kind of like, dude, you can't even call and get him help or whatever the case may be. See, we have all of this destruction. And then it goes to Amber and Eve at the soup kitchen. And... You know, they're talking. Amber's still upset because Mark has not bothered to show up at this point. Cecil's group has arrived and they're trying to, you know, they're they're taking assessment of everyone. And they they basically find Mark in, in really bad shape. And as Mark is sitting there and they're examining him, he thinks he sees his father through the hole in the ceiling, you know, floating in the air. And then of course. His dad is gone just as quickly. So he doesn't know if his dad was actually there or if he was just seeing um, a vision. But everyone is hurt. Like, Invincible is, he's so bad that Donald actually tells Cecil, hey, we might actually lose him. And they do get a sample of his blood, which I thought was very suspicious. But of course, whatever. We, We know that. It's not. Wait, 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 wait. How is that suspicious? We know that Cecil. That's why I said whatever. That's 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 part of the force. That's what we expect him. Right. That is what Cecil does. But um, you know, so they capture Machine Head because for some reason he's still there. So they capture Machine Head. They get the chip out of his head and they take him away. Eve gets a phone call, I'm guessing from one of the team teams because uh, from someone on the team team because she's still part of that team. And I'm assuming she finds out what happens to everyone else. And she tells Amber she has to leave, but she can't tell her why. But she just, she does tell her, look, Mark is a good guy. Just, you know, just kind of giving her that, you know, he would have been here if he could. But I, you know, it's it's just one of those. Amber's just sitting there in the lurch now. She doesn't know what's going on with Mark. Eve just left. Mark is almost dead. So is Monster Girl. Samson is crushed. 
Um, we see Debbie getting getting the phone call, and Nolan shows up like he didn't know what she, what was happening. <sighs> You know what? Nolan just gets on my nerves. I, I and I know, I know he's teaching his son a lesson. He gets on my damn nerves. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, it's just we 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 see we see all of the um, superheroes getting transported back to the Pentagon to get medical help. Isotope is here. He's back in the penthouse, and who is with him but Titan? decked out in a nice suit and he apparently is now the boss like his whole plan was to take down machine head so that he could assume his place become the new crime lord and make sure that his wife and daughter are safe when i saw that i was like oh, i'm gonna have to hear it i knew i was gonna have to hear this because i knew how i was gonna react to nolan's conversation with mark at the table and then when I saw what the end result was, I was like, I'm going to have to hear I told you so, because this is exactly what Nolan was trying to tell Mark about. And I yeah. was just like, oh. it's just it's just the end of Luke Cage season two. Basically. Well, well, knowing Mark, he's not ever going to find out because he's not going to, he's, he's again, a teenager. He's not going to go, hey, how, how did everything turn out for you? I, you know what? Well, he's basically unconscious right now, so it, it might take him a bit. I, I think that there is a possibility that later on down the line, that when Mark has a free moment, he might want to go and check and see what happened. Especially with the way Titan left him, he was like, "Yo, I didn't, exactly. I didn't mean for it to go this way. I hope you survive." And then he takes off, dude. I literally just got killed, almost killed, trying to help your ass, and you can't even stay and make sure I'm okay. What the fuck? So yeah, I don't think this is the end of that for Mark. I I personally would go find that ass and ask him what the right. hell happened. Well, the the other thing, side note, you know, Cecil came out of this with some DNA, and he also got a, a chip that can help him come up with some really so, cool right. stuff to help him with. And Tommy we Man. see at the so, end of the episode, um, you know, mid credit scene, they are testing Mark's blood, and. They're basically like, look, we have thrown everything at it. Drugs, viruses. Um, what did he say? Drugs, viruses, bacteria, prions, even nanobots and radioactives. Vil Viltrumite cells don't give a damn. They just won't die. So they realize taking down Nolan, if that's what they have to do, is going to take a lot more. And Donald tells the scientists, he's like, look, keep trying. I still think blood is the answer. So they think it has something has something having to do with the Viltrumite blood is going to be the answer to taking down Nolan if they discover that's what they need to do. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I, I do have a feeling that's probably it's, it's going to have something to do with Mark. That that's going to be the only way they can defeat Nolan if it comes to that. Yeah, who's to say that? I mean, right now they're using his blood to try to figure out if there's, a, there's something that can kill him, but what if they switch it? And if he's if they need him to be their protector, they could do something to figure out how to make him stronger or to enhance him. To enhance who? Mark? Yeah. Oh well, yeah, that could be a thing too. Especially since Mark is the only other Viltrumite in the area. If it turns out that Mark might need to be the one to defeat Nolan, they're gonna have to make him stronger. Cause right now, mm -mm. not even close. 
but oh yeah this did <sighs> i mean if, it, if if there's one thing that this episode taught us is that mark still has a lot of work to do you know if he even makes it which of course we we know he's gonna make it because i mean it's a it's a what um mm. eight nine episode season this is only episode five yeah I mean, they're not going to kill the main character of the show halfway through. So we know he's going to make it. Now, what kind of shape he's going to be in and how long it's going to take him to recover and what he does from this point on, that's going to be a different story. But like right now, this is kind of like Omni-Man 2, Cecil <laughs> 0, zero. <laughs> or Omni-Man 2, everyone else 0. At this point, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what else to expect. Yeah, it's, it's going to get interesting. I mean, you know, eventually it's going to boil down to um, Mark and Mark and Nolan fighting. But it's like you, when Nolan, like Mark, needs a whole lot, either a whole lot of help or a whole lot more training in a hurry. If this is going to happen, like in the next two or three episodes, yeah. like he needs a lot of help. Yeah, I'm just wait, waiting to to see more of Nolan's grand scheme unfold. Yeah, I kind of need to know what's going on now. I need to know what's about to happen. I need to know what the end game is yeah. and how all of everything that's going on has fit into it. I, I need to know. I need some details. Yeah. Real quick. Um, so I'm I'm kind of hoping that Reginald Johnson becomes the Stanley of this show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> because because like if you if you've seen Ultimate Spider Man. Like Stanley was the janitor, then he was the principal, then they said that he was like a member of Shield, like in it too. So I'm like, I need Reginald Johnson to take up that role too. That would be awesome. I would um, no complaints about that. Yeah. I have a problem with when he was doing the asteroid training. Like they were in space, they were talking, and Mark was gasping for air while they were up there. And I'm like, okay, still half human. Okay, but but before it's like he wasn't like he held his breath while he was fighting Alan the alien and not breathing or anything. So it's like that's that seemed like kind of an inconsistency to me. Um shout out to Michael Dorn also for being battle thank, thank you. I was waiting for it. Shout yeah, out he, to Michael Dorn. Michael, Michael Dorn had that at the end when he when he said when he said the this battle is beneath me, I was like, Oh shit, that's war fighting. Sweet. I, like he, I didn't catch that until then. Yeah. I didn't catch it either. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, Michael Dorn is Battle Cat. Is Battle Beast? I'm gonna keep calling him Battle Cat, but I'm also getting. He was a cat. <laughs> he was a cat using Battle. Yeah, exactly. It's like right. it. Um, shout out to Adam. Jeffrey. No, yeah, but um, shout out to Jeffrey Donovan who was medicine. It was Machine Head. Um, he was in. Uh, God, that's my show, and I'm forgetting the name of it. Where he was a spot. Where he was. He was like a. He was a decommissioned spy. Burn notice. He was in Bird Nose, which is one of my favorite shows. It's good. It was good to hear his voice again. Um, shout out to Titan becoming a Luke Cage cottonmouth combo, and ironically enough, Marshall Ali. Uh, it should have been Marshall. Marshall Ali is the voice, and he was cottonmouth in Luke Cage. Yep. So, yep. Shout out, shout out to that linear linear casting. Um, and Dark Blood's Dark Blood's uh, face was in the cover of that notebook when she found it. That's why she was getting cold. It seems like his soul was transferred into that notebook and maybe his, his soul was guiding her to get the truth and find everything out. So 
that'll be interesting to keep track of too. You know, I feel sorry for the two human women in this show. I feel sorry for Amber and I feel sorry for Debbie because you know both of their feelings are going to get hurt in this season. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. But, you know, the new job is dangerous when you took it. <laughs> or uh, no, I need to know what Nolan's doing. I need to know what's going on. I just think that it's kind of obvious now that he that he's doing something that he needs to be he needs to be the most powerful person around to do. Like it's, it's looking more like he's getting ready to take over. So it's like, you know, that's what I mean. It's kind of a foregone conclusion now. So I mean, the people around her are gonna have to tighten their shit up in a hurry. I'm really interested. I'm interested to see how this being that robot is robot is concocting is gonna turn out. I think that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see too. It's probably it's like it's gonna be a hero to help the guardians, or it's gonna be like an ultimate guardian or something like that. I don't know. So I, I think it's almost just solely for Monster Girl because if there was any doubt that he was in love with her before this episode, that was kind of confirmed at this fight. So that is a weird thing, and I want to see what they're doing with this. So as far as those two are concerned, um, Peter love. Yeah, that's oh, weird. Oh. As if I didn't hate the song enough already. Jeez. <laughs> oh, any other final thoughts? I'm just uh, yeah, the show. I just I wrote, I need more original Bell Johnson. That's what it is. I, I really want I really want him to be more be in it. But it's like I think they're releasing Dime DB as per, per episode, so he might be in a couple more episodes. Because they always showed him being in one episode. So yeah, like, oh. I think they're kind of like keeping keeping as many details about each episode uh, kind of under the belt until the episode actually releases. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see him in uh, more episodes. But again, my, my whole thing at this yeah. point, I need to know what's going on with Nolan and I need to know what's going on with Robot. Right. Yeah. That'd be nice to know. Yeah. So. I guess until the next episode, that is it for our show. You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join the conversation next time.